We uh, welcome you, and I pray God will use you in a great way in this local church. It's our desire. Turn, if you will, to John 15 as we return to the long-forgotten book of John. Took a break, and now we're getting back. Let me read it to you, the first eight verses. I am the true vine. Who's speaking? Okay. I know that because it's red letter. <laughs> and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, I believe the prayer and primary, the prayer and probably the fruit bearing, but this prayer, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I want to try to explain what in the world is Jesus talking about in this metaphor. It's really, he's taking one thing, a vine, and likening it to some great spiritual truths that he wants to teach. Uh, it looks so wonderful on the surface, uh, so easy, and it may be for you, but uh, I've wrestled with this passage for years. I think I've held every view you can hold on it. Uh, I held the view that uh, you could be in the vine and cut off. I started off there as a good old Pentecostal boy. That's what I, I would have believed. Uh, then I came to see it as the higher spiritual life view, uh, the J. Hudson Taylor view the Dallas view, that uh, you're really talking about two kinds of Christians here, uh, the, the unfruitful Christian and then what we'd call the spirit-filled, higher-life Christian. And then there's a view that says those abiding, all Christians are the ones who are abiding. There's a view that says this may even be used of those who associate it with Christ, such as Judas, that nobody suspected did not know God, 
and uh, were eventually cut off. Should my ape be used loosely, associated, but never in life union with Christ? Or is it uh, two kinds of Christians? One that's fruitful, one that's barren, one headed to be burned, uh, another to be blessed. So you, you wrestle, uh, what view? Uh, is the abiding life just the life of a few Christians? And the rest are not abiding, thus not fruitful, thus barren. So you'd say, uh, there are many Christians who are barren and headed for burning. One way or the other. Now those who say, uh, it's just all Christians would say the burning would be the judgment seat of Christ, but John didn't even know the judgment seat of Christ yet. That's future. That's not even in the Gospels. All burning in the Gospels is judgmental. So what is he talking about? What kind of people are we talking about? Well, we want to try to unpack that and look at it. Uh, it seems, from what I understand now, and I've read all the views, and I like them. I just got to take one. Uh, I think the abiding life is here the life of a believer that it's talking about those who are truly in union with Christ who should keep this union up to date by communing with the one they're in union with. Communion in union. Um, so then, uh, when you have that, you have this problem. Can someone be in union with Christ who is threatened to be cut off from Christ. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, he removes. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So number one, can you be taken out of the vine as a believer? One, verse 6, if you're not in an abiding relationship, you're a candidate for the burning as you burn up the branches. So, do we have believers that are true believers who are barren but headed for judgment or even to have their works burn up? Is that what he's talking about? Well, uh, do I tell you where I am? Why, well, sure I do. But let's suspend. Let's just hold it a little bit. Uh, look at the comparisons made. I give, give you a little chart. And uh, I gave you some notes right there, uh, Rod. And tonight I want you to spit it back before the people and land on the right view. Uh, is that, uh, let's look at the comparisons that he's using the vine branch illustration to, to teach us. Number one. I am the vine, Christ. Now, why would he say that? Why would he say, I am the true vine? Because in Isaiah 5, Psalms 80, Israel was called God's vine that bore wild grapes. And he said in Isaiah 5, because I expected good grapes and you bore wild grapes, I'm going to come in judgment on you. I'm going to devastate you, Israel. I'm going to replace you. And God's replacement for Israel 
who was to bring God's life, God's presence to the nations. He's replaced Israel with Christ. Christ is now the one through whom the Father is displaying his grace and power to the nations. So I am the true vine, not like Israel. I'm the true one. I will do what the Father designed me to do. Two, God the Father is the vine dresser or the gardener that takes care of the vineyard. And so everyone who belongs and united to Christ comes under the divine gardening of God. And this divine gardener does several things in the passage. One, he removes dead branches for whatever reason. He removes them. He cuts them off. Verse 2. Verse 6, he burns up what's cut off. You, you were some way connected with the Son, but you never did bear his fruit. You never did give manifestation of his life. I'm going to cut you off, and I'm going to burn you up. That's what the, that's what the illustration is saying. So the father is in the pruning business, and he even prunes authentic branches tied to Christ, and he moves into our lives. And has anyone ever done any pruning on a tree? David knows I have. He had a great tree that I pruned and killed. <laughs> Never forgiven me. Uh, pruning seems like a brutal exercise, and it seems like it, you're killing the tree. Well, I have, because I didn't know what I was doing. I took too much. Thank God it wasn't a fruit tree. I thought that tree needed to go anyway. But anyway, uh, fruit trees. I want people that know what they're doing to prune. You know, you're only go, supposed to go about a third of that branch, right? You got to know how far to go. It's not just decorating. It, it's doing it for production, cutting back for production. The Father is involved in the life of the believer who's joined to Christ, and he will clip off things in our life. And a lot of things you wanted to keep, he had to prune in order to make you fruitful. Sometimes it's painful. Uh, those connected to Jesus, the branches. Well, there was, in the narrative in the upper room, there was 12 men connected with Jesus. One was Judas that nobody ever suspected of being the son of the devil. Never expected him. Uh, you know what? Who would you have thought uh, would have been uh, the instrument of the devil? It, who, who blew it the most up to the upper room? Come on. Nobody guessed Judas. He went out, he cast out demons. He went out with the 70. He counted the money. He stole from it every once in a while in John 12, but he took care of the money bag. Nobody in that room, including Peter, they leaned over to Jesus, tell us who it is. They don't know up to that point. He's not in the least bit su suspected. 
It's like in this church, we're not sure of who all saved. Uh, I just heard a, a lecture MacArthur was giving why he wrote all of his books the last 20 years, taking on unregenerate church people, that uh, they're associated with the church, they're associating with Christ, they're running around, but you can't see a changed life. They know all the talk, they can pass our doctrinal exams, they know the hymns, they know all the church talk, they know the pastor, they just don't know Christ. Is that possible that you could be here associating with the church, but you've never been united with Christ? All over America, this is true. And we keep just pampering people, keep pampering, pampering. Don't ever tell them you might not be a Christian. How dare you say that to me? I'm an American. That's your problem. You're an American. You're not a Christian. They're not synonymous. You know, to be in Mexico is to be Catholic. It's just automatically, you've got to be Catholic. No, 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 no. I'm a born-again believer in Mexico. There's a difference. Well, let's keep on. I love the amens and quietude here. <laughs> Eleven disciples were genuine believers. He said they were already clean. They had already been cleansed before God. And they were the fruitful branches Judas would certainly be fruitless. Non-living connection, and the other 11 had a living, a living connection, obviously. Are they going to fail? Do they fail? Oh, plenty. You can be united to the uh, vine and still mess up a lot. Need to be restored. But, but permanently cut off? Not so. Jesus' words. I think the words of Christ are the pruning knife of the Father. The Word of God is what reproves us, corrects us. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. God uses His Word to chisel on us, clip, clip. He, he cleans up your mouth. He cut all that language out, cleans up your mind, cleans up your walk, cleans up this. Pretty soon you say, Lord, if you don't lay off, there's not going to be anything left. He said, well, that's what I'm kind of headed for. Matter of fact, I'm going to replace this with something glorified because I'm, I'm just clipping on my people. You, you really know you belong to God because he's clipping on you all the time. You just say, wow, I'm just healing up from that last uh, pruning. Yeah, yeah, I see some more junk growing back in your mind and in your mouth. I'm going to clip. I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for heaven. Too bad. I'm going to change your character. I don't want to change. I just want to sneak in the back door of heaven. I'm going to change you because I'm your father. You represent me, you little rascal. Get in here. Say, <laughs> so, well, I've never been disciplined by the Lord. Well, because you don't know him. Only illegitimate children have never been disciplined. All the family. That's why siblings in a family all talk about the spankings. And it's always the undeserved one. <laughs> my girls get together and say, you remember when Dad did that? You think I had a daily beating going on at my house. <laughs> They're spoiled rotten. Uh, sorry, girls, I meant it. Uh, what, what believers produce? Fruit. 
product of living connection. How do believers produce it? By remaining connected, remaining connected with Christ. He is the source of all the fruit. His life going through my life is the fruit. That's called abiding. It's an amazing thing. He commands something that must that you could never perform. I never could get myself in Christ. Abiding, by the way, for you theologues, is it the same as Paul's use of in Christ? We're not even into in Christ language yet. This is an illustration. This is a vine, branches. Now, what is he saying? I am the true vine. Unless you are connected to me in a life relationship, you're going to be barren, you're going to be burned. It's only those in union with me and by constant abiding. It's the continuation language of Scripture. Something we don't talk in our circles is that true believers persevere. Because, oh, you Southern Baptists grew up with, I got eternally secure, that's it. Don't, what's perseverance? Perseverance in the New Testament is if you continue, we know that you belong to him. I don't like that language. I like works. Well, you weren't saved. All believers continue. Now, God prunes some and he kills them. Sometimes he cuts at the throat. He can shorten your life like he did the brother in 1 Corinthians 5. Maybe Ananias and Sapphira, you served your term. <laughs> Clicked, you won't lie again to the Holy Spirit. He can take life anytime he wants. But abide, remain in constant contact with your source of life. Don't let sin, don't let strain. You see, for you and I, getting to heaven, we've already got it made if we're really a born-again believer. Is that true? You know what my problem is? I've got to go through a thousand temptations before I get there. And I can wind up stealing money that doesn't belong to me, sleeping with someone I shouldn't be sleeping with, and getting bitter and fighting this temptation, that te I haven't landed yet, and the Father's still working on me. Right. Pruning, delivering, stay in touch, stay in touch. I put you in touch. Stay in constant communion, reliance. Stay connected in your heart to the vine. There is the source. Here, I'll form it, and I'll get you in me. But you, I want to maintain it. It's called the perseverance of the saints. Right. Who do I know who's saved? Those who persevere. Hey, they might have been saved. You don't know that guy wasn't saved. Maybe I don't. But you don't know that he was. How did he go out? Well, he was loaded. Uh, shot two guys. And uh, just made a, a Coke uh, buy. Well, he might not be saved. Oh, no, no. When he was seven years old, he raised his hand in junior church. He must be. Other words, being connected to the vine doesn't change your life. And we bought that in American Christianity. You don't have to change. And you'll feel comfortable. 
Application. Jesus Christ is the true vine or source of life. He that hath the Son hath the life. And so if he is the source of life, um, the big issue will, does that life ever get through us? Does it ever show up? Two, people who have been connected with Christ without his life will be cut off. You can run around with us. You can be associated. I've had people in this church that were deacons. Uh, they were Sunday school teachers that I'm not sure they're in heaven. I'm absolutely not sure. Uh, they, they threw the life to the wind. The profession was authentic, but their end was drastic. Maybe they're saved. I hope they are. Um, can you be in contact with Christ like Judas and ultimately be lost? Can you be in contact with the church like Demas and ultimately be lost? Can you be in the church at Laodicea and ultimately be spit out? Can you be at the church of Ephesus and ultimately abandon your first love? How can that happen? They quit abiding. They quit communing. They, they quit following. Look at, uh, look at back at John 6 to show you when Christ is giving this teaching, they experience things like this. In John 6, he fed the 5,000. He teaches on uh, the bread from heaven. And uh, this is pretty heavy teaching for these men to take in. But then in John 6, verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Judas, you walked with me up to within 24 hours of my crucifixion, and you're a devil. And none of the other men know it. Can we be fooled? You've been in association with me, but you've never been in an abiding relationship. You've never derived your life from me. What about the crowd that says, uh, uh, Lord, you know, well, uh, just a moment here. Um, we cast out devils in your name. Did they? Sure, they did. They do it in India. I've had Indian believers tell me, said, you guys claim everything, the power of God. Our fakers in India can cast out demons. They can walk on fire. Doesn't mean God's used. What, what about Judas? He was out there with the 70 when they were healing the sick, casting out demons and all. And, and Jesus said, some of these guys are going to come up to me and I'm going to say the tree is known by its fruit. 
And they start saying, Lord, Lord, we know your name. Matter of fact, we'll fight. Let's see, Lord, Lord. We, we probably say, Adonai, Elohim, Jehovah. See, we're theologically astute, and so are the rabbis. They knew the scriptures. They knew what day they shouldn't crucify a man on because according to the law, he shouldn't be hanging on a tree on a Sabbath. When you're killing God, you need to be scriptural. You can be full of scripture and be in apostasy. You can be full of church and going away from the living God. You can preach every Sunday and be backslid in your heart. He's warning, abide, I'm in you, you're in me, my word's in you. You Remain in contact, don't stray, don't break connection, do nothing on your side to get away from me. I'm everything you must have to make it. Know that. I'm not just the beginning, I'm for the whole journey. Don't just say, I'm saved and I'm satisfied. And I ain't going any further. Oh, honey, wake up. God didn't save you to just sit down and become a statue. He saved you to use you, to change you. And he wants to manifest his life through you, not just for you to say, I got mine, and I'm sitting down, and if anything, I'll be critical of the church. You're critical because you're not bearing any fruit. You're probably an unbeliever if you stay that way long. You cannot, here's the question, hear me. Can you be a fruitless Christian and be a Christian? Matthew 7, a tree is known by the fruit it bears. Oh, hey, there's another one. I see it in your face. You, you turn, turn over there. Look, look at for, uh, Matthew 13. Are you there? I'm listening to the paper. Turn off that iPad by George. Go to the first century church. Uh, Matthew 13. Jesus tells a parable of the soils. The disciples don't, don't know what it means, like most of us don't. And so they get along with Jesus, and he has to unpack what he taught them. He tells the same parable in Mark 4. Watch this. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now, I face this every week. Some of you are along the path hearers, and by the time the one o'clock game comes on, you will have forgotten what you heard because the devil will see to it. And unless God intervenes, you will perish. Because I can't turn on the lights for you. Only God can. Then he goes on. As for what was sown in rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. We would say he lost his salvation. He never had it. It was an emotional, quick response. And, and as soon as a little trouble came, 
in the first century, they went back to temple, the book of Hebrews. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. We count numbers too quick. The book of Acts, they didn't count them when they professed faith. They counted them when they baptized them. Will you get baptized? Oh, no. I don't want to get baptized. Because in other cultures, it's very scary. may cost you your life. At least cost you your job. And if you're Jewish, they put you out of the family tree. Moise Rosen, his father, put him out of the family inheritance and out of the family tree when he professed faith. Baptism was costly. Watch this now. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And we say, well, that's just a worldly Christian. No, they, they became unfruitful. Now watch. Here's the fourth soil. You ready? As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Different degrees of fruitfulness, but I propose to say there is no such thing as a barren Christian. Why? The vine's life must show up in your life or you're not in connection. You are not in union. You mean you can know Christ and never own him. You can know Christ and never say, I'm a Christian. One of the fruits that, that comes with knowing Christ is claiming him, knowing him, of being willing to suffer for him. Or none of the character of Christ comes through my life. I'm still a thief. I'm still a blasphemer. I'm still a drunk. I'm still a, I'm a still a, I'm a still a. Wait, wait, wait. When did the life of the vine ever become your life? I am the vine. You are the branches. I want to put my life through you, and the manifestation of my life will be fruit. Fruit is manifestation of life. Are you united to the life, Christ? We can look for his fruit. No fruit, no life. Oh, some may have be a hundredfold Christian. Maybe a J. Hudson Taylor or some great man of the faith, a Moody or whatever. Wonderful. Some of us 60, some 30. But there's never a place in Scripture that portrays the righteous as fruitless and barren. The wicked are always seen as barren. The righteous man is like a tree planted by the waters. He bears his fruit in his season, but the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff blown by the wind. God's child cannot be chaff because he has been connected to a life source. You can associate with his vine, but it will become evident in time that you're his or not. And when he cuts you off and when he burns you up, you will know, even if you're self-deceived, 
I'm not in the vine. Our Father prunes all believers. Four, abide or remain in contact with Christ so that you may bear fruit. What is the fruit? Witness, owning Christ, fruit of the Spirit, praise, service, changed character, many results. Many, the word fruit is used of many things, but we are never said to be barren. Never. We may lapse, we may have those struggles, we may have those periods of temptation and learning like Peter and the disciples and the failure that hit them shortly after this uh, upper room experience, but that was just a brief period. Brief was restored, and God began to bear his fruit through them. Uh, abiding means much fruit. No abiding, no fruit. Nothing of worth will be done. That is an awesome concept when he says, without me you can do nothing. And, and a lot of the wicked seem to be doing quite a bit. Tweeter just made billionaires out of people. Tweeter just made how many millionaires in a day? I think it was 116 in a day. Man, I want to say Tweeter, Tweeter. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm not a Tweeter fan. 116 millionaires in a day. Uh, you'd be amazed, most of them are under the age of 30. Boy, if you could just manage them. You make it, we'll manage it. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what? That's what's wrong with some of you. You think you can do everything without him. You never consider the vine. Or once you make it. I had a man one time. We were talking about giving God the glory, and he, he just stated, well, I'll tell you, I made it. God didn't make it. I made it. Well, when he lost everything, I don't know where God was, but he lost it. This independence. Don't get independent on me, disciples. I can make it. You can't make it. This is a divine life. This is not the Marlboro man. This is a dependent people. My only connection to life is Jesus. You know what it reminds me of? It's one of those old Flash Gordon movies. Did anybody ever see Flash? Yeah, you're, you're old. You're looking at there. Uh, but, but you remember it, what used to be fascinating to me is when they went down those diving bells. Even when we used to go over to Playland, to go down in that tank, that was scary. But, you know, they, they'd have these diving suits, and in those days they were, I mean, man, they were so ugly, and they're doing all this. But what was always scary, you know, the octopus or something was always going for the air hose. You remember? Come on. Trying to mess up flash, you know. It's hard to stay down there without a connection to air. Christ is saying, I'm going back to heaven. Stay in contact. I'm the source of the air. I'm the source of supply. I'm telling you, make it your business to stay in touch. I'm giving you prayer. I'm giving you joy. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Stay in touch with heaven, for you can't get anything done 
that's worth spit without abiding in me. And the spit is not in the Greek. Fruitless branches are headed for destruction. Verse 6. No fruit, get ready for the fire. Abiding in Christ and his word, abiding in you leads to effectual praying. We'll pick it up next week in that. But when you are bearing fruit and praying, three results happen. First, it brings glory to God. It gives him honor and recognition. Two, you will bear much fruit by abiding and remaining in contact with your source of life by constant communion and dependence. And thirdly, this is very interesting. Verse 8, look at what verse 8 says, fruit does. Are you there? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Well, you don't need to do anything to be a disciple of Christ. You mean fruit never has to show up? Well, you're adding to salvation. No, I'm not. Part of my salvation is it bears fruit. Bears fruit. Let me ask you, is there any fruit in your life? that you belong to Christ? Young people, you watch yourselves. You're young, and the devil always lays his best traps for youth because you haven't lived long enough to know the pain of consequences. As older adults, you see these scars over here? You see this? Let me show you this one. No. Uh, well, we made some wrong choices. All of us coming along. Come but the devil never shows you consequences. He only shows you pleasure. You need it. You need it. You, you get it free. How many of you found out it ain't free? You got to pay. The wages of sin cost. Well, I, I, well, all he showed me is how much pleasure. I, you know, I want instant gratification. You may get it, but you will have long-term pain. What you did in a night may cost you the rest of your life. You know what? You can go out on cocaine in one night. You can do an overdose one night. One night, you can father a child. And the rest of your life, trying to hide your identity and have children around. All I did is one night, she was too good looking to give it up. Yet, did you re ever realize what that night may bring? Oh, the devil didn't show me that. He just showed me, let the good times roll. Come on, baby, let me thrill your soul. <laughs> and everybody that listened to the KDIA said, yes, sir. Let the good times roll. Well, I'm going to tell you some bad times are coming. Bad times are coming. What you need is to get a permanent life source that brings joy, that brings peace, that gives you. He said, I'll hang a little key in your life. Uh, I think it's clean. Uh, that I, I'm going to 
I'm going to hang a key in your life. And, and, and what's that, Lord? Anytime you need help, just grab the phone. Lord, this is me. I'm asking in your name. Give me what I need. I'll be on the other end. I'll be on the other end. Abide in me. My word abide in you. And you will manifest as my fruit and my life is manifested through your mouth, your mind, your manners, your walk, your talk. They'll know he's been, he must have got connected to the vine. He's acting like someone we've never seen. Oh, you see, I'm living on another source. I'm feasting on the manna that comes from above. I believe it is the description for every believer, not just of an elite group. There's the abiding Christian, and there's the fruitless, carnal Christian. Nothing. No. I don't think, that's, I don't think he had any of those categories in his mind here. He's saying, I've got a false professor that's gone back. I've got 11 men that are going to go on. They're going to have some temporary failure, but in time, my fruit will be born through them. My fruit will be born through them. Well, I hope you're abiding. Unless you're abiding, you're perishing. I would tell you today, it's as simple as taking Jesus Christ into your heart and believing that he died in your place and that you admit, I'm barren. I don't have the life of God. I'm joyless. I'm not right but I want God's life. What do I have to do? You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And you will get joined to this vine forever. And then he'll just tell you, stay in constant contact. We used to sing a song, how did it go? Uh, oh, uh, it was something like uh, drawing nigh to God. And someone said, if God doesn't feel near you, guess who moved? Guess who moved? He never runs from his people. We just quit clinging to him and abiding. I want him to be my breath. I want him to be my all. And as our worship team comes, we're going to sing this as a song to the Lord. If you're here without Christ, if you'll come for Andre, I want you to come for me. I want you to come for Christ. Do you want to receive Christ? Or do you want to remain barren and perishing? Believer, you've named the name, but you're in a slump. Maybe uh, you walked away. You ought to be miserable because we don't know if you're saved. And you may not be. Anybody can last for a week. Anybody can last for a month. Can you last for the rest of your life? Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. God's elect persevere till they see him in the heavens. For there's no place to go back. No place to go back. Burn all your ships in the bay. We're not going back to Europe. We're going to take this land. Stand with me. Close that door, please. They'll run out. I don't want you to run out till we sing. If you, if you start leaving this building, I'm going to take an offering. So let's sing this song. It's a song of dedication. Come back tonight. Watch these people get baptized.
draw nigh to the living God. Meet with his people as you see the day drawing nigh. These wicked days, you ought to be getting around God's people to worship. Not because we count heads, but because your heart is wicked and you can stray. You need to be stimulated. May you come back. May you come back.